As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello, it's Anna here and you are listening to the On Farm podcast. This week we have got you an On Farm Helps episode. Now it's been a while since we produced one of these, but effectively rather than telling stories of people, the On Farm Helps episodes are more perhaps informative and useful and giving you some hints and tips that might be handy for your rural business. So this week we are focusing on all things social media and I have our resident social media expert Pam with me. So we're going to chat through um, hints and tips for primarily Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. So if you're petrified of social media, you've stayed away from it so far, or if you're on it, but you feel as though perhaps you're missing an opportunity and you could be doing things better, then keep listening because this episode will be for you. Hi, I'm Pam Newby. I run a social media and marketing business called Evoke Action. And I also work very closely with Seen and Heard PR, uh, looking after some of their clients' socials, and um, I create content for the On Farm Academy. And you are extremely qualified to do that from a social media perspective, but also from a farming background perspective. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and and that kind of thing. Yeah, so I grew up on a farm down in the borders. Um, It was a a mixed livestock farm and I loved it. And I think uh, growing up on a farm really is where my passion for working with food and drink businesses came from. So like the rest of the Seen and Heard team, you've got uh, a highly suitable background for getting involved with with Seen and Heard and with the podcast and with the On Farm Academy, which we're going to talk about later. So yeah, so Pam is our kind of social media expert. And if you've been on the On Farm Academy website, you will have heard her voice before and it'll sound familiar because um, she's created quite a bit of content for us. But what we want to do today is um, just kind of Pam and I are going to have a chat really about um, the various social media platforms. We'll give a couple of examples of rural businesses and maybe provide you with some hints and tips about which platforms are best, how to use them. Pam's got some kind of um, secret hacks that might be useful um, and you know, talk about how you can use your time most efficiently and in the right way. So it's hard to know where to kick off, really, because there's so much to talk about. But Pam, we were talking before we started recording and you were saying that actually, almost regardless of what platform you're on, 
it's about content. That content is is key. Um, but a lot of people, uh, whether they're beginners on social media or whether they've been doing it for a little while, sometimes we feel a bit fearful because they think that they don't really have anything to say. That was one of the barriers. But are there any other sort of fears that people might have that you think that we can try to to allay today in our chat? Yeah, absolutely. I think content is a, a huge barrier for people um, and time. I think these two things as a business owner myself, you know, people go, oh my goodness, I'm so busy running my business. How on earth am I going to have time to be sitting, you know, making Instagram reels? But there's lots of things you can do to save time. And uh, we can chat about those today. Again, with content, one of the the biggest things I would always advise you is to maybe think of two or three content pillars that you can hang all your content around. So, for example, um, if you're a self-catering cottage, um, one of your content pillars might be the actual property itself. So, you know, put on a piece of paper, property, and then just brainstorm around your property, you know. Um, what is in your kitchen? What coffee do you have? And then that will start, you know, sparking ideas. Mm. What soaps are in the bathroom? All yeah. these kind of things. Are you dog friendly? That exactly, kind of thing. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Child friendly. So then you can start talking about, well, where did I get my soap? Is it from a local producer down in the village that I can then talk about? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what other parts of the property can I, can I discuss, you know, what's good about it? How many bedrooms are there? So you can be more practical and talk about the actual Mm -hmm. property. But then one of your other content pillars might be the surrounding area. So you then might talk about, well, if we're dog friendly, what great walks are there to take dogs on? What is there around for children to do? What great restaurants are there nearby? Where can I pick up amazing bread or fresh eggs? You know, so you can start then talking about, the wider area and talking about all these amazing businesses that are around about you because I think social media is all about being social and it's about you know sharing the love if there's businesses you love talk about them and you know help each other out and I suppose then you can that makes creating content easier because you, you can borrow content from other people so your soaps example if you're providing soap from a particular business you can go on their social media and they might have put a post up about the ingredients in their soap or the lovely people that make it. And then you can borrow that content and use it in your own posts. Nobody minds that, do they? Because you're promoting their business when you borrow their content. So it's not as though it's plagiarism or anything like that. Absolutely. Um, And it gives you that extra content without actually always having to write it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And all you need to do is follow all these accounts. And, you know, so then you get notifications when they put something out. And if it's relevant, just share it Um, or comment on it and share it um, so that other people see that content Mm. and, you know, you could put a little comment out and say, this is the amazing producer of the soap that you'll find in our bathrooms, you know. Um, and I think people like that kind of thing. And if you've shared their posts, it's highly likely they'll then go on and share your posts as well. So. Yes, that's really interesting because um, we're sitting in my kitchen at the moment recording this. That might be white, slightly echoey because we've got a tall ceiling. Um, but we just had a wood burning stove installed this week. And so... I took a picture of it and put it on Instagram and I tagged the stove people and they were the first people. It's actually not really benefiting me particularly, but I just wanted to do it because it was a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, they were the first people to comment and like my post. So that if you, you make people feel warm and fuzzy when you highlight their brand, 
and therefore they're more inclined to do something nice for you in return I suppose that's that's the thing and then it works in that kind of virtuous circle absolutely absolutely and you know it's all about without getting too technical about the algorithms you know Mm. if you're sharing other people's content and then they're liking and sharing your content it lets the platforms know that what you're sharing is interesting and that people are talking about it so it'll show it to more people yeah definitely um and so that that what we've just discussed really applies regardless of whether you're talking about Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, the fact that you, you know, sharing content from other people encourages them to share your content. Um, you know, it's nice to be nice, borrow content from other people, borrow pictures if you can. Um, now we, we probably don't have time to go into every single intricacy of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and we don't need to, cause we've got courses on the on-farm Academy way you can do that. You can immerse yourself for 45 minutes in, in each of those platforms and really learn a lot more detail. Um, but I think it's quite, it'd be quite nice today to, um, you know, people listening have got all sorts of different levels of knowledge and expertise in social media, but, um, if we imagine that either somebody's a total beginner or maybe they've been on a couple of platforms for a while and maybe they're just not really getting much traction, what questions do they need to ask themselves to start with to work out what platforms they should be on and which platforms are most likely to be beneficial to them? Well, I think the key here is being really clear on who your target audience is. Who is your ideal client? Um, and I think once you really pin down who it is that you want to be your client, it makes it so much easier to understand who you're talking to. And then you can be clear which platforms you want to be on. There's a real temptation, I think, when you set up a new business or you're in business to think, well, I want to appeal to everybody. I want everybody to mm. know about my product or service. Um, but actually, maybe you don't. You know, maybe you want to, I mean, you want to be servicing your ideal clients. You want to be working with people that, um, that you want to work with. So it, it's not that scattergun approach. I think there's a temptation to be on every platform and just throwing stuff out there because you think the more people that hear about it, the better. But I think the clearer you can be on your your ideal client, then it makes your social media and marketing so much easier. Mm-hmm. So can we do... A, 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 we'll, we're going to leave out LinkedIn for today, I think, because... It's very much a, a business platform and it may well be relevant to a lot of people listening, but we've got a training coming about LinkedIn so people can focus on that if they need to. But for today, we'll, we'll focus on the other three platforms. Obviously, there's TikTok as well, which we're not going to focus on today, but um, very useful for video content and sharing video content. But of the other platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I know it's hard to, to generalize, but can you give us a brief summary of who those platforms appeal to and who's on them and therefore kind of help people to decide which one might be right for them. Yeah, of course. So Instagram is obviously a little bit newer than Facebook. Uh, the, the sort of audience on there are predominantly sort of 25 to 34. And it's a little bit um, more skewed towards a female audience um, than male. Facebook is a kind of similar demographic, but it's been around longer. Um, so there is... The sort of over 65 demographic is definitely very yeah, active on yeah. there, which I think people don't quite appreciate because these platforms have been around for a long time mm. now. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming up 40. I think I'm probably the last generation that didn't grow up with social media. 
Um, yes, I, I expect so, yes. It, yeah. You know, it really came about, thank goodness, it wasn't around when I was going through university. It kinda, <laughs> I'm very glad about that too. <laughs> it kind of, you know, I joined Facebook, I think, when I was sort of in my early 20s. So there is a definite uh, older generation on there that shouldn't be forgotten about. Um, they're, they're definitely a key audience. And a lot of them have got disposable income, haven't they? Those, yeah. So whether, you know, if it is, you know, luxury soaps, or self-catering cottage or, you know, a tweed handbag, they're not a generation to forget about, are they? Because they've got money. Absolutely. Um, And then looking at Twitter, um, Twitter is actually, I think the the statistic is sort of 70% male, um, which is quite surprising. So it's quite a a male-dominated platform. So again, it comes down to knowing exactly who your target audience is, who you want to be speaking to, and then creating content that's going to be of value to them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you you know, you can find out more kind of honed detail about each of the platforms, you know, what kind of, you know, online uh, or also through the the On-Farm Academy courses. But as Pam says, it's, it's important to know who your audience is and where they're hanging out in a social media sense. That's probably shows my age. No one says that anymore. (laughs) Um, Where they are, um, you know, in terms of the social media platform so that you know where to find them. Yeah, exactly. In the old-fashioned days, you know, it would be where do these people go for networking events? Where do they go? What newspapers do they read? But now it's, you know, where can you find them on social media and how can you target them? And I mean, these things are all still absolutely relevant. You know, what magazines do they read? What brands are they buying? Mm -hmm. Um, What are they interested in? What's happening in their life at the moment? Um, All these kind of things are are super important. And then you can start following all these kind of accounts because that's likely to be, as you say, where they're hanging out. So if, you know, they're following certain brands, follow those brands too. And if you then engage with them, the followers will see you engaging with them and think, mm-hmm. oh, who's that? You know, they're they're interesting. I'll go and follow yes, them. Yes, yeah. I've never used I've never used the term, but I really I'm going to start now because um, I think it's great. But I really like what you were saying about content pillars as well. That's really stuck in my mind. And you know, whether it's you know your staff and and your the lovely people who work for you are a pillar. Your building is a pillar. Your product is a pillar. And I think it logically when you're planning out you know, your social media content that helps you to kind of get clear and, and come up with some ideas. Yeah. So often I've said to people, to clients and others that PR is about people. So, you know, the soap company, for example, their soap is really important, but actually people are more likely to buy from you if they know your story. It might be a family story, or it might be a story of, you know, you might have a staff member who's been with you for 30 years or all of those things. So, you know, put profiles up of people who work for you. You know, even if you've got a, like just sitting at my feet at the moment, actually, even if you've got, you know, a a dog in that comes to the office every day, you know, I love it when people do that. This is our office dog, or this is our business dog, meet Murphy or whatever they're called. That to me is, is engaging content. And some people might think that's a bit fluffy, but actually it's about creating loyalty and interest amongst your customers and by showing that you're personal and human really helps doesn't it of course absolutely you're you're so right and I think you know people buy from people and the Mm. the same it's the same on social media you're you're still wanting to buy from a person and if you can show your face you know whether it's a video not everybody feels comfortable doing videos but you know just a photograph it's it's incredible when I'm doing social media the posts 
for my clients, I could put out posts, you know, for days about their product or service. But as soon as I put one out about the team and it has a face in it, it gets so much more engagement than any of the other posts. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. And I suppose we probably can't today have time to go into, you know, looking at insights and analytics and things like that. But actually, even just from a simple perspective, you don't have to go behind the scenes and look at the the analytics. You you just know if a post has had more likes, more shares, more engagement, more comments, you, you feel the vibe for which pieces of content are engaging people better don't you yeah absolutely Mm. absolutely um a question that i get asked a lot is um about sharing of content so say say you've got a you know somebody sheila who works for you and she's got a lovely story and she's been with the business for 20 years and you've written a profile piece about her say um people say we know is it okay if i just duplicate that content and i post the exact same stuff with her photograph on instagram as i might do on facebook Uh, what are your thoughts on that Absolutely, yes. Repurpose your content as much as you can. This goes back to what we were talking about um, just at the beginning about time saving. I mean, if you could write, for example, just to go through the process, if you have a blog on your website, if you write a blog post, from that blog post, you could then turn that into your newsletter. From that, you can then create maybe 10 social media posts because not everyone is going to see every mm, single piece of content of course, that you put yes. out. You know, I think we kind of fall into that trap of going, oh my goodness, I've already said that. But not everyone is going to see all of your posts. Not everyone's going to remember all of your posts. So absolutely, I'm a huge believer in repurposing mm. your content. You might want to reword it slightly or, you know, for example, Instagram uses more hashtags than Facebook. So you might want to pop a few more relevant hashtags on there than you would on Facebook, Mm -hmm. but the content can be the same. Yeah. And far better to repurpose and and repeat content than not put anything out there at all. You know, if you put something on Facebook, you can't then get the fear and and not put it on Instagram and then end up getting distracted and not putting anything up at all because you've missed the opportunity then. And I suppose that kind of leads on to another thing. People often also ask me, how often should I post? And I know that there is not an answer to that question or not a black and white answer. But when it comes to frequency and consistency and that sort of thing, what in general terms would your advice be? I think just do what you can. Um, Especially as a business owner, if you're trying to run a business, it's impossible to be hugely consistent unless you, you know, block out a day in your diary, maybe once a month and you say, right, this is my social media day and I'm going to schedule in a month's worth of posts and they're going to go out on certain days. If you can't do that, just do what you can. It's better to get something that's good and is giving value to your audience rather than just either not doing anything at all or sticking something out that's just completely pointless. Yes, yeah. And I think you have to be realistic as well because I did a nine, well, I say did, uh, got halfway through, haven't finished yet, a 90-day plan. And I started out with the intention of posting something every single day. And then I kind of caught myself and I thought, that's not realistic. That's, I'm setting myself a goal and I'm kind of destined to fail that because there's too much other stuff going on. And so I've reduced it, I think, to four days a week. And most of that I try and schedule in advance. But actually scheduling in advance doesn't prevent you from posting something, you know, there and then. Yeah, so scheduling is really time-saving, gives people peace of mind, especially if they're going on holiday 
and they want to have content there ready to go. You don't have to schedule everything, but are there any particular tools or methods for scheduling that you recommend? Yes, I'm a big advocate of scheduling, uh, particularly as a business owner who's busy, you know, out there running the business. Facebook and Instagram have their own inbuilt scheduling platform through the um, Meta Business Suite, which most small businesses will have access to. And that's brilliant. It is packed with insights, analytics. Um, it tells you the kind of optimal times that your audience is online. So you know when to schedule, which, you know, might be really surprising. You might think everybody's kind of on there at lunchtime, but it might be nine o'clock at night, you know, once people put the kids to bed. It can sometimes be a little bit glitchy, but mm-hmm. um, in general, I, I use it for scheduling all of my posts. So that's the meta business suite. That's what you have to look up if you want to, to try and do that. Yep. Yes, yeah. And if you go onto your Facebook business page, you'll see it on the left-hand menu. And there's usually actually a big blue button at the top of your page that says, you know, get all mm. your business tools here kind of thing. Twitter has its own inbuilt um, scheduling tool, which I think you can only use on the desktop version, but you have to do that kind of post by post. There's a lot of people say, oh, if I use, you know, a third party scheduler like Buffer or Hootsuite later, one of these Mm -hmm. ones, that the platforms kind of penalize you using these third party platforms and don't show your content. But it's not true. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's not true. If if you find it easier to schedule everything from the one, the one tool, then absolutely Mm -hmm. do that. It does obviously make it a lot easier for you to use the same content if you're just kind of copying it into each of the platforms. Yeah. Um, Instagram is probably my favorite actually although I think I'm guilty of wasting a lot of time scrolling through other people's posts and then feeling very jealous of somebody down in Wiltshire who's got a better flower garden than I do (laughs) or whatever it might be so we kind of have to avoid that but I think one thing that, that people perhaps worry about as well is quality of photos and obviously video as well. So, but you don't need a professional photographer to, no. take, to take a library of images necessarily. I mean, if you've got one and that works for your business for other reasons, then great, use those. But it can be amateur, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think social media is very forgiving when it comes to, you know, images. It's all just about being in the moment and capturing things as they are and not trying to be too staged and too showy. Um, I think particularly on Instagram, on the stories, um, that should really be very much like this is happening now. I've taken a quick snap of my dog, you know, lying on the floor kind of thing. People don't expect to see polished, um, professional looking images. So yeah, don't get too caught up in that and don't let that stop you from posting something. Now this is difficult because it's a podcast. So we, we can't really give, give an instruction or kind of demonstration on a podcast. And that's, I guess, why the On Farm Academy exists. So we can do that. But there's one big thing that a lot of people are talking about at the moment with regard to Instagram, which is reels. Now, I think we should probably create some content for the Academy specifically about reels, because I know that they're actually the rules are changing and have changed recently. What, what would you say about reels and in terms of a brief description of what they are and why they're useful and how people can 
try and use them or kind of embrace them? Yeah, so reels are essentially short form video. Um, they've just recently extended them up to 90 seconds. Um, it really came from TikTok. So TikTok came along uh, with these, you know, fun short form videos and loads of sort of the younger users left Instagram and went to TikTok and Instagram said, you know, hang on a minute, we want them back. <laughs> yeah. So they created reels. Um, so it's essentially Instagram's version of TikTok. Um, and I think they are initially quite scary. I think people look at them and go, oh my goodness, you know, there's all these fancy transitions and words popping mm. up and people pointing and dancing. And for a lot of people, it's just an absolute no-no. But I think one of the things I would always advise is you don't need to be in it yourself. You can just use photographs. You can make some really lovely reels just simply using product photographs, just some nice photographs with some tips. You know, if you're a service mm -hmm. business, you can give some, you know, advice or tips. So um, it doesn't even need to be a video. It can be a series of photos rather than an actual moving video yes exactly mm -hmm. so yeah nothing to be afraid of no not at all and actually if you're scrolling through reels now and you find one you like quite a lot of them have um use template and if you just click on that it comes up and it says add in your own pictures so it opens ah. up your camera reel on your phone yes. you literally yes. click the eight or nine pictures and it makes it for you and it adds the music and it makes it look yeah very yeah. and it literally takes like 20 seconds and I think for me anyway I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and so you know for a while when I was posting on Instagram I was obsessed with each photo had to have the same border around it and all this stuff and it had to look neat and uh, and some people go even further than that and they color coordinate their images but with reels, you you can just experiment. They don't all have to be the same. You know, you can use a different font for the words that pop up. You can obviously, it'll be different music. You can use different emojis and all sorts of, you don't have to have that consistency. So you can just play around with it. Nobody's going to be sifting back through all your reels to say, oh, well, you know, there, you've got a different different font there you know that doesn't match with your brand guidelines you know it's much more relaxed than a lot of things isn't yeah. it which allows people the freedom just to do what, what they feel like yeah. and if you can just in your daily life go around taking pictures and little videos just yes. all the time so my phone is full of just little snippets of stuff and then you can stitch it together very mm -hmm. quickly if it's already on your phone yeah um, so you know if you're if you're a cafe or, you know, a restaurant, just some, some little snaps of food or someone pouring a coffee mm -hmm. or just, you know... Mixing the scones. Exactly. And, yeah, all sorts something of that's just happening in your everyday um, mm. and then you can just stitch it together. Yeah. But reels aren't going away, so... No. Yeah, um, and, and, yeah, it's amazing what draws you in when you're, when you're on Instagram looking at other people. We repurposed the front door of a washing machine to make an entrance to our hen run. And um, it, by far, it's got much more engagement than any other reels I've ever put out, just because it's something a bit quirky. So it's not really that relevant to our business. It's just something that was going on at home. But, um, you know, it's, it just gets people interested. And that's that's the purpose, I suppose. But, but I guess, why reels then? You know, um, if you're on Instagram... And the idea of reels makes you feel a bit nervous and you think, I think I'll just stick to the odd story and some you know, nice square photos. Why should people be enticed to start using reels? What's the benefit to their small business or, or large business? 
so Instagram has quite openly said that they are prioritizing reels in the newsfeed. So if you go onto your own Instagram, when you start scrolling through the feed, you'll see that the mm. loads of your first posts are going to be reels. I think nowadays people's attention span is so short that we're so used to consuming content in a very quick bite-sized way and I think that's only going to get more so mm. so I think that's you know as I say reels aren't going anywhere so give them a go you know I was probably one of the most scared people of reels <laughs> yeah. particularly creating them for clients I was thinking oh you know it, it did seem a bit scary but as you said earlier once you've done your first one mm. and then you see all the views coming through it's incredible the amount of engagement they'll get compared to a normal uh, yes, a normal picture yeah. post and that's true actually they you know they say one of the reasons social media is addictive is because when you see likes coming through and you see the engagement is kind of releasing endorphins and makes you feel good and but actually as well as giving you a buzz it's good because it means more people are seeing your business posts and therefore you know whether you run a bakehouse or whether you make jam or soap or whatever you know you're you're gradually increasing awareness of that business and yeah. that I suppose is why why to embrace reels because it gives you greater reach yeah, um, for customers to see you you can actually turn off um, the the like button on Instagram if you don't want people to see how many people have liked it mm-hmm. or, you know, that, that kind of chasing likes. I think it was something Instagram had been trialing, I think from a mental health point of view. Yeah, um, kind of social responsibility is to kind of stop people from, you know, chasing likes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting. So yes. you might come across some posts that um, there isn't a, an option to like it. Or you can like it, but it just won't tell you how many other people have liked it. Yes, so, which I think is quite probably quite quite healthy in many cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtags is obviously a thing, a thing, you know. And I remember with Instagram, it used to be people used to say, "Oh, you have to have thirty hashtags in a post if you want to be seen." Um, that's not the case anymore. I understand. No, not at all. Actually, I mean, some people are questioning whether to use hashtags at all. Actually, right. Um, I mean, hashtags will get your content shown in the the hashtag feed. So if somebody is following that hashtag, mm-hmm. they're obviously going to have more chance of seeing it than if you hadn't yes. included the hashtag. So they might, for example, be following hashtag Royal Highland Show, but they're not necessarily going to. They're more likely to be scrolling than to actually be actively searching for something specific and is that why hashtags are maybe less yeah exactly and i think you know that you can use 30 hashtags but they need to be relevant to your post Mm -hmm. so you know i would always kind of question by the time you got past maybe eight or ten whether they were relevant anymore Mm -hmm. in which case people are potentially going to find your content and it's going to be completely irrelevant to them so they're not going to engage with it and you know that tells the algorithm that it's not interesting. Yes. So yeah. just if you are using hashtags, just make sure they're they're relevant to the post, so that they get shown in the in the correct feeds. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What What's your view about filters? You know, people are using their phones, or they might be using filter apps. You know, say you've taken a picture of your horse in the field the sky might look distinctly gray as it does today you know you might want to brighten things up but what yeah what's your view about kind of distorting reality I suppose is yeah, the, is... I mean I guess some people use like one filter across all of their their images so that they have this kind of brand you know consistent mm. brand 
I mean, I think I think social media is about being authentic and kind of just showing up and showing real life. So again, you know, if you're using filters, then it's probably not quite as authentic as it could be. Yes. But yeah. it's probably down to individual brands as to how they want their images to be to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you might have one consistent one, which I think yeah. I would forgive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's no point trying to paint a picture that's not real because then people you run the risk of disappointing people, I guess, don't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. One of the other tips I was just mm. going to mention, um, and I speak about this quite a lot in the On Farm Academy, is um, an app called Canva. Oh, yes, which, I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, probably to you and I, we've been using it for years, but mm-hmm. I speak to a lot of people who've never heard of it. Right. Um, it's spelled C A N V A, so you can look it up if you need to. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you can get a free account at canva.com. It's basically a sort of a very easy to use graphic design package where you can create templates and social media posts. There's literally millions of photographs in there. So, one of the things we're talking about is photography. But Canva has, you know, millions of photographs that if you just search, you know, you, you need a picture of a horse, you know, there'll be millions on there. Mm-hmm. And you can use them in your social media. So again, it's a, a time saver. It has all the um, social media posts, correct sizes already made for you. Mm-hmm. You can create reels in there as well. So if you're new to reels, Canva's quite a nice place to start because you're not doing it directly in the Instagram app where you're terrified you're going to hit You you can create it with still images from from Canva. You can add music to it um, and then just upload it from your your camera. Mm, It does make everything easier, doesn't it? And you might want to, for example, you know, add text over a photograph and you don't necessarily know how to do that but your Canva pretty much does everything doesn't it's it? It's so easy, mm. so easy and it's free. There, yeah. There's a paid account but um, the free version does does everything yeah. you need it to. Oh, it's definitely a tool that I couldn't live without I think. It's really useful to remember that 98% of people are looking at your content on a mobile device. Yes. So that's yes. really important when you're... 98, thinking, that is a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, mm. I think about my own social media mm. usage. Um, if it wasn't my line of work, I would never be in front of my laptop. No, I only you use know. my laptop if I'm scheduling content. I don't really consume content on anything apart from my mobile. Yeah, mm. which is interesting. So if you're creating videos, one one piece of advice would be to make sure you put captions on it because lots of people actually view videos with no sound on. Yes, if they're on the train or something. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. No, that's a really good piece of advice, actually, yeah. One of the other things I think that people can be a little afraid of social media is the fact that it opens you up to negative comments or feedback Mm. and I think I would always try and just turn that into a positive if you can so if you do get a negative comment use it as an opportunity to then explain about the quality of your product or service you know if somebody says oh your products are too expensive I'm not going to buy that Um, you could just respond with well our our products are of high quality this Mm. is what we use to make them and you can use it as an opportunity rather than just kind of panicking and don't ignore it yes Make sure you don't ignore yes. them I mean it's, if it's just outright nasty you can delete them obviously from <laughs> yeah. your page you yeah if somebody's easily... not being truthful and they're just trying to be vindictive then get rid of them but yeah. I totally agree Pam and actually I've probably lost count of the number of people who've said to me over the years less so now but certainly when social media was more in its infancy people who've said no 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 you know I'm opening myself up to 
negativity here if I go on social media, but you're right. It's an opportunity. And in fact, one of our clients um, had a negative comment on Facebook, but before his team had even had a moment to think about it and reply, his other customers had all commented and jumped to his defense because they love what he does and they were loyal. And actually then the number of followers he had on Facebook skyrocketed. Social media is no different, really. You know, before social media, some you had say you had a holiday cottage. Somebody might have left a negative review in the visitors book. Yeah. Social media is just a more public forum for that, but actually, it's kind of better because you can reply in a public way and get the truth out there. So don't be afraid of it because remember that you can delete it if you absolutely have to. But it's an opportunity to say, oh well, yes, but yeah. here are all of the amazing absolutely. things that we do do. Um, and it's such a great platform for customer service. You know, if, if that's how people are are communicating with you. It's the easiest way for them to communicate. So, you know, if you're using Facebook Messenger, for example, you can have automation set up that yes. will, you know, yes. let people know that you'll get in touch with them in 24 hours mm. or, or whatever. So they get that yeah. instant response from yeah. you. And Twitter is a great example of a lot of the larger companies use Twitter um, almost solely for for customer service you know some of the bigger companies mm. will have accounts just for essentially people <laughs> complaining yes um, yes but it's a way to get a quick response yes so i know that if if i ever need to find something out quickly or have a problem with something twitter would be where i would go yeah for that. yeah so i suppose that's one challenge i guess of social media is that you do have to be on it yeah regularly you know if, if if you're using it as a platform to communicate the positives you have to accept that sometimes people will have an issue and you can't then leave it a month if you are on social media you do have to check it or you know if you're on holiday find somebody in the team who can just keep an eye on these emergency things and yeah. make sure that people are responded to and it will pay off because even if you make a mistake positive customer service after that is is really valued i think yeah absolutely and again you know you can if you are going on holiday and you you don't have someone in your team you can just pop a little automated response on that would say mm-hmm. almost like you're out of office on your email yes i'm yes. on holiday i'll get back to you kind of thing yes. so then you're setting expectations for your customers yeah yeah time of day now this varies according to your audience and according to your platform doesn't it but how much should we be thinking about that when we're scheduling posts or doing live posts um i mean again it's about doing what you can so if you're going live at an event you know go live at the event don't take a video and then post it later that night because you think your audience are maybe Mm. are maybe not there um it, it is interesting when you post something at the optimal time, you do tend to get much more quick engagement. And mm-hmm. quicker engagement, again, tells the algorithm that it's interesting and it shows it to more people. So it does make sense to post when your audience is online um, so that you get those quick likes and shares. Yeah. Whereas if you were to post, you know, let's say your audience is mums and you were to post at three o'clock in the afternoon when they're all at school pickup. <laughs> Um, no one's probably going to see it until half past eight at night yes. when we're all trying to put the kids to bed yeah. and we're scrolling through Facebook. So by that amount of time that's passed, you know, Facebook thinks it's not interesting. Yes, you've missed your prime so opportunity. So it's not going to show yes. it to people. So that's why time of day is important. Yeah. And if you're using the Meta Business Suite, you can find out 
from previous posts when has been the best time of day and when you've had the best engagement so that you can copycat that is that right yeah I mean literally Mm -hmm. when you're creating the post it has a little button that says optimal time and you click that and it comes up and it tells you exactly what the best time to post is so it makes it really easy for you yes yeah this has been really comprehensive I think I was trying to put myself in the shoes of you know a beginner or somebody who was afraid um, of social media and, and think about what, what puts people off. And I think we've covered everything. I think people are put off by a fear or lack of knowledge and, and reels might be an example of that. But in fact, Instagram in general might be an example of that. Um, but um, you can always just play around. You know, if you, if you start creating an Instagram account right now, you won't have any followers, so you can put posts up as an experiment and nobody will ever see them in, yeah, you know, exactly. just to kind of get practice. And same with reels, you know, try it. And if you don't like it, just delete it and start again. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think just be yourself, you know, have a bit of fun with it. Mm. It's it's really all about sort of getting people to know you, getting people to like you and building up trust um, so that people get to know your products and your services and the story behind them. Yes. Um, and just share what you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the fears that people have is um, the knowledge, which which we've kind of covered today. You know, don't be afraid, give it a try. Um, we've got courses on Facebook and Instagram on the on-farm academy we've got some coming over the next few months um and years in fact <laughs> that's all there so you, if you want more kind of detailed stuff you can you can improve your knowledge that way we've talked about time and how you know we can't create extra time but we can be efficient with time and so by repurposing content for different platforms if you are on more than one and by using a scheduling tool that will save you time and I suppose another th- and one thing pe- some people might worry about when it comes to social media is cost. Now, there is no cost unless you choose to advertise, which is a whole other topic, complicated topic. But we, we will, we do plan to cover that in the Young Farm Academy uh, soon. But they think about sort of human costs. So they think, well, either it's taking them time or they might have an employee and how many hours can I justify that employee spending on social media? And, and I suppose it's a, it's impossible to, you can't say, well, one hour on social media is going to generate X amount of turnover. That's just impossible. But you just have to, to use common sense, I guess, and think, well, do I feel like I'm getting the engagement here? If I'm not, what can I do to change that? And is it is it bringing the customers in? And And... And I guess for, I can't think of any businesses, certainly any clients that seen and heard works with where at least one social media platform would, wouldn't be beneficial. I think there are very few businesses these days that can bypass social media completely because there is a benefit to be had. And if you can be as efficient with your time as possible, then a small investment of time nearly always pays off, even if it's not tangible, would you say? Exactly. Absolutely. And I think what's important to remember about social media is where it's driving people. So is it driving people to your website? Mm-hmm. Um, are they then going on to sign up to your newsletter? Yes. And I think what's really super important for businesses to remember is that you don't own your social media platforms. They could literally mm. disappear tomorrow. And without putting the fear of God in people, you know, that they're suddenly going to lose their Instagram accounts, it's something really to bear in mind is to make sure that you're building your mailing list. 
Um, Very important. Yes. So important yeah. to be gathering details from from your social media community mm-hmm. so that if anything, heaven forbid, did happen, you can literally send them out uh, an email and say, our account's gone down. You can now follow us over here. Yes. Um, yes. So don't be afraid of you know, the social media, anything happening to it. If you've got a really good mailing list, mm-hmm. um, you've got those people's details yeah. and they're yours to keep. And so I suppose some good ways of, of using social media to build that mailing list is by running competitions. You can do that yourself or you can team up with other businesses and to create one big competition with lots of different prizes. So you can do that and you can use that to gather email addresses and data. Um, but it is critical. I remember... My kids are quite into crafting and there's a company called the English Stamp Company who do these, you know, ink stamps. And I remember reading about them in the press about six months ago that they got hacked and they had tens of thousands of Instagram followers that were just eliminated overnight. Now, they were a big company and they've managed to get back up to where they were. But for some companies, it would t- could take years, if ever, to get back to a level like that. So having being able to contact a lot of your customers in a different way is... A really good point, I think, Pam. Yeah, well done. Brilliant. Oh, well, Pam, thank you so much. Um, Pleasure. Really informative. You'll definitely want to go onto the On Farm Academy and hear more of Pam's voice teaching you all sorts of things about the different platforms. And as I say, much more detail than today. But hopefully you've learned something. I think I have. And it's yeah, it's just been really nice to chat to you. And we'll continue. Pam's going to, she's got a list. So she's going to keep creating more content for the On Farm Academy so that more people can benefit from her expertise. So... Thank you very much, Pam. Pleasure. Thank you for having me.